So I'd like you to imagine for a moment that you are a first century peasant, farmer, or fisherman, or something. You're living in a village on the uh, shores of the Sea of Galilee. Now, imagine that. Uh, you know, life is tough. You got to try to provide for your family. It's the ancient world. There's plenty of uh, challenges trying to make it in that world. But you hear one day that there is this traveling rabbi coming to town, and he's got kind of a reputation because he's got these pretty provocative teachings about the kingdom of God. You know, the kingdom that you've been waiting for for generations. You're waiting and waiting and waiting for the kingdom of God to come. And, and this rabbi apparently is talking about the fact that it's on the way. And so, oh, and by the way, he can heal people. So I think that's kind of interesting. Let's go figure that out. Let's go See what this rabbi's got to say. So you, you, you know, get together with your other villagers and you um, head on out over to, to see what this rabbi has to say and you're kind of hoping, look, I could use some good news, right? I want to know some good news that things are finally about to change because, yeah, life is hard. So you get over to the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He gets into a boat and this is what that rabbi, Jesus, has to say. He says, okay, everybody, listen up. Listen up. There was a farmer and he was out scattering some seeds, you know, planting some seeds. And some of the seeds that he scattered landed right on the footpath and some birds came and ate them up and they were gone. Some other seeds, they, they uh, landed in some uh, soil, but it was kind of rocky soil. It was, it was really hard for the seeds to go very deep. And so um, once the sun came out, it pretty much burned them all up and those plants didn't make it. Some seed did land on some soil that was okay, but it also landed among a bunch of other weed seeds, and it didn't take long before those weeds really overpowered the crops that he was trying to grow, and uh, they pretty much shaded out all the good crops, and the weeds dominated, and those things just didn't even make it. But some seed landed in good soil. It landed in really good soil, and all of a sudden, uh, he watched as this crop came up that produced food for that year, and a whole bunch of other seeds that would last for, for years to come. The end. That's the story. If you've got ears to hear, pay attention and understand. So imagine what you're thinking at that point, okay? You hear this and you're like, uh, what? <laughs> that's it? That's, that's the teaching about the kingdom? What, what is he even talking about, right? You go home and you're, you're confused. You're maybe a little bit perplexed, but you're intrigued because something about his teaching stuck with you and you want to know more. So welcome to the confusing, thought-provoking, interesting world of the parables of Jesus. It's what we're going to be talking about this whole month in our new series, Ears to Hear, which is a BYOB series, a Bring Your Own Bible series, which, by the way, is something I actually want you to do. I would love for you these weeks to, whether you're online or whether you're in person, to have your own Bible because being able to look at the scripture is super important. Being able to take notes, being able to underline stuff, I really want you to engage um, because these series, when we do a BYOB series, it, the purpose of these series is to help you read and understand scripture on your own. We look at all these different parts of the Bible and help you figure out how to study these things on your own. So bring your own Bible. This month, we are going to help you understand the parables of Jesus. So let's dive right in. Let's start with this. What is a parable? A pretty simple question. A parable is just this. It's a short story or illustration that conveys a deeper truth. It's just a short story or illustration that has a deeper truth to it. Um, and we have other parables, not just in the Bible. There are, uh, you heard of Aesop's fables? 
right? Aesop's fables, those are parables. They're short stories to get across some, some truth. Uh, another example would be Grimm's fairy tales. You know, Grimm's fairy tales, the reason why German children everywhere are scared of forest witches and their candy houses. You know, yeah, meine Name ist uh, Hansel und Gretel and we are about to die in terrible ways, right? So that's, that's Grimm's fairy tales. Those are parables, you could say. Short stories uh, that convey a deeper truth. Jesus told a lot of these, told a lot of parables. And as with most parables or most of these illustrations, they work the best, and Jesus did this a lot, uh, when they're using illustrations and imagery from everyday life, things that people can just relate to. Uh, for Jesus, he talked a lot about the sights and the sounds of an ancient agricultural society, right? Vines and gardens and flocks and fishing and harvesting and scattering seed. Now, one obvious reason for this, of course, is that most of Jesus's audience were living in an ancient agricultural society, and they were farmers and shepherds and fishermen, and so these were things that they were familiar with. He was speaking to what they knew. Now, there's another reason uh, that he was using agricultural imagery, which we'll get to a little bit later, but suffice it to say, he wanted to tell stories that resonated with what people experienced in their life. So the main question that I want us to answer in this series, but especially today, is this. Why? Why did Jesus teach in parables? Like, why didn't he just spell it out for people? Why did he, did he feel like it was important to tell these short stories and these illustrations? What was it all about? That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, I know some of you think you already know the answer, uh, because it's probably the same answer for Aesop's fables and Grimm's fairy tales, it's probably because stories convey a moral truth easier than just spelling it out. They, they stick with us. They, they're easier to remember, right? Like you got you to know the moral of the story. Well, you'd think that. You think that's why Jesus does it. But, but the reality, which makes that a little bit complicated, is that most of Jesus' parables don't have a direct moral lesson. There isn't a moral to the story. They're, they are not about childhood behavior modification, like, uh, like the stories that are in Aesop's fables and stuff. Like, for example, here's a parable of Jesus. Okay, look for the moral of the story in this one. The kingdom of God, this is my paraphrase, the kingdom of God is like a treasure that a man found buried in a field. The guy was so excited when he found it that he sold everything he had and he bought the field. The end. What's the moral of that story? Or, or what are you supposed to do with that? Or, or this one, this is a lesser known parable, but again, my paraphrase. You know how trees sprout leaves and that's how you know it's about time for summer? Same thing with the kingdom of God. Okay, that's a parable. What do you do with that? What is the moral of the story? Even if you lived in the ancient world and trees and seeds and fields and all that stuff were just a normal part of your life, these parables would probably still leave you scratching your head a little bit, wouldn't they? Not really sure exactly what Jesus is getting at. So what was he up to? Why was he teaching so much in parables? Well, the Gospel of Matthew tells us the answer. It actually spells it out for us. Jesus uh, responds to his disciple when they, disciples when they ask that exact same question. And as it turns out, the parable of the four soils that I paraphrased earlier is actually a parable about parables. It gets real meta. So let's, let's take a look at what Jesus says when they ask him, why are you teaching in this way? Okay, so go ahead and grab a Bible, turn to Matthew 13. We'll start at verse 11, and we're going to pick up right after where, where he tells the story of the farmer scattering seeds. Now, real quick, um, unrelated to this, just so you're aware, 
maybe you haven't heard anything about this at all, but earlier in the week at Grace, we had a bit of a hubbub about a blog post that went on our, on our website, and there was, there was a little bit of hubbub around it. And so here's the deal. Maybe you aren't even aware of this or whatever, but I am going to be putting a video together that I'm going to send to everybody at Grace that kind of responds to what all that hubbub was about and also kind of talk about some bigger issues surrounding it. So if you're curious or you're interested or even just want to know what I'm even talking about, watch the video when it comes out later this week, okay? Um, just so you're aware, that's coming, all right? Okay, now you're all very curious, aren't you? You really want to know what that's about. But let's pay attention to the parables for a second. Okay, Matthew 13, starting in verse 10. His disciples came and asked him, Jesus, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? And he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. That's, by the way, another way of saying the kingdom of God. Uh, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That's why I use parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes, disciples, because they see, and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now, I know that probably didn't really clear too many things up for you because <laughs> it's a little bit odd and complicated. I'll explain. But Jesus right there answers the question of why he's teaching in parables so often. So let's get into this and see if we can understand what he's saying. Look at verse 12. I think this is the key to all of what he just said. He says, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. To those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away. So what does he mean here? What is Jesus talking about? Well, the first thing that we've got to remember, we've got to keep this in mind, is that not everybody who heard him teaching was, was happy about his take on the kingdom of God. They didn't like what he had to say about what God was up to. For example, a lot of the religious leaders in Israel, their whole mentality was God's kingdom would come on this earth if and only then if we can get rid of all the sin and evil and sinful people who are corrupting our nation. If we can get rid of all the sinners, well, then God's kingdom will come, right? That's, what, that's how they understood God's kingdom. But then Jesus comes on the scene and what does he do? He hangs out with sinners. He hangs out with, uh, you know, tax collectors and prostitutes and, and bad people, sinners. And he says that they are welcome in his kingdom. Okay, that's not going to go over too well with the religious leaders, right? So, so they didn't like that. Um, and then there's another example. Other, other people in Israel at the time, they were expecting God's kingdom to, to break into the world to save them from foreign occupation. They thought that God's kingdom was going to come through a powerful king, a Messiah, who was going to rule a, a mighty army, and they were going to kick out the Romans and destroy all the Romans, and then Israel would be its own nation once more. They were going to be a powerful kingdom in this world. 
But then Jesus comes in and what does he say? He talks about the kingdom of God as a place of nonviolence, of loving your enemies, of turning the other cheek when you're hit on the face. Like, not exactly the party line. This is not the rah-rah, let's go kick out the Romans. And it just didn't resonate with those people. In fact, his whole message, everything that he had to say about the way God was saving the world, I mean, people did not understand it because it was completely unexpected. Imagine if he was just to spell it all out for people. Imagine if one day Jesus gets up on a platform and he says, all right, everybody, hey, listen up. So uh, I'm God and I'm here to take all human sin on myself and then be executed at the hand of Roman executioners um, so that uh, I can usher in a kingdom filled with broken, poor, outcast, humble people. Oh, oh, and then we're gonna let all the Romans and any, any other Gentiles who wanna be a part of it, they can all be a part of the kingdom too. If he had spelled it all out like that, I guarantee people would have stoned him to death. I mean, they tried a couple of times. He would have been stoned to death or worse. There's not really much worse than that, but you know, it, it was gonna be bad, right? People were not gonna like that. It wouldn't have gone over at all. Because as it turns out, God's message of salvation, of how he's actually accomplishing this, was not the message that many people in Israel wanted to hear. They didn't want to hear this message. So no, he couldn't really spell it out for people. It was, it, at least not at, at first, not in his early days of ministry. And so he spoke in parables, at least in part, to keep his controversial message from ruffling too many feathers. He had to kind of uh, clo cloak his message a little bit in these parables, because if he was spelling it all out, people would just storm the gates, right? They would not be happy. So that's one reason that he speaks in parables. Now there's another layer to this, and I want to get into that now. Uh, and it has to do with the fact that Jesus was not the first person to use parables in the Bible. Uh, in fact, the ancient prophets used parables as well. You know, the prophets, Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Amos, all those, all those guys, those weird guys, uh, they used parables a lot too. And uh, in fact, many of Jesus' parables, you know, we don't really realize this because we don't read the prophets much, but many of his parables were directly based on the parables that these prophets had told before. Anytime you see a vineyard referenced in one of Jesus' parables, go back and look at Isaiah 5 because that's what he's, that's what he's actually talking about, okay? So Jesus is, is um, using this agricultural imagery, not just because it's what people are used to, but it's because it's the same imagery that the prophets used. Vineyards and tree stumps and seeds. He is using all of that imagery, and he's, by doing that, he's stepping into the role of a prophet of God. He's speaking God's truth into the world, just like those ancient prophets. He is continuing the work that they started. But here's what's important. He's continuing their work. He's, he's fulfilling that role, not just in the things that he's saying, but even in how it's being received, how people hear it. If you remember, the Old Testament prophets, they were not, people were not big fans of these guys, okay? And almost all of them were completely rejected in their own time. Even though they were speaking the words of God and ultimately everything they said did come true, people did not want to hear what they had to say. It's why Jesus says this in Luke 4, he says, I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. No prophet is accepted in his own town, in his own hometown. And Jesus was, was no exception to this. He wasn't accepted. This is why he's quoting the prophet Isaiah here in Matthew 13. That's why he quotes Isaiah. Look at verse 15. 
Uh, For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 6. It's a part in the book of Isaiah where God calls the prophet Isaiah to take his message of salvation to the people. And and God essentially essentially tells Isaiah, look, look, Isaiah, you're my prophet. Okay, I want you to go to the people, but I'm going to shoot straight with you. They are not going to listen to you. You still got to go, but they're not going to hear you. And that's what Jesus is quoting here. You see, Jesus was a prophet just like Isaiah. And yet the reality is just like the ancient prophets, a lot of his words, a lot of his teachings were going to fall on deaf ears. People weren't going to hear it. Far too often, God's intentions for the world are not what people want to hear. This is why Jesus talks a lot about having ears to hear. Let those who have ears to hear understand. Because clearly it is not enough to just hear the message of, G- of the gospel, right? You can't just like, like take it in. You actually have to listen and seek to understand, even if it's not what you expect, even if it's not what you might want initially. You can't just have ears. You got to have ears to hear. Ears to hear. And this, again, is where the parables come in. In these short stories and illustrations, Jesus takes the wild and unexpected and countercultural message of God's upside-down kingdom, you know, the message about how the, the last are first and the first are last, and the poor are blessed and the blind can see that kingdom, that upside-down kingdom, and he presents it in a way that only those with ears to hear can actually understand. That's why, again, in, in verse 12, Jesus says, those, to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away. If you are closed off to the message of God's radical salvation for this world and how he upends human culture to do it and, and challenges all human values through his kingdom, well, then you are going to hear stories about fish and seeds and yeast, and you're going to write them all off as the ravings of a lunatic. You're not going to understand what he's talking about. You're not going to pay attention. But, but if you have ears to hear, well then, as Jesus says, more understanding will be given and you will have an abundance of knowledge. In other words, if you're open to this whole concept, if you're open to this this wild and life-bringing idea that this small town rabbi is teaching about, if if you're willing to consider God's kingdom as one where the wealthy and the powerful and the mighty are not actually on top, well, then these parables become an invitation, an invitation to understand the mind of a God who's in the business of healing this world. Not on our terms, but on his. Suddenly you can start to understand the story of a landowner who pays his day laborers far more than they deserve. Or the story of a half-breed Samaritan acting more loving than some super spiritual priest. Or the story of a shepherd who leaves his entire flock behind to go looking for that one sheep that walks away. These are not the stories that reflect the values we expect. But with ears to hear these parables, the truth about God's kingdom open up to us, to those of us who will listen. Verse 16, Jesus tells his disciples, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. So no, 
The parables of Jesus are not moralistic fairy tales. They are not Aesop's fables. They are a glimpse into something far greater, far grander. They give us a glimpse into the actual kingdom of God, his purposes in this world. And I believe that if we have ears to hear even today, these parables can still change our lives if we let them. So let's do this. Let's get a taste of that right now. We've been kind of, I haven't really brought it back, but we've been talking about the parable of the four soils. And that parable has the opportunity to speak to us even today. So let's do this. Like I said, this is a parable about parables. So I think it's going to be a really good exclamation point on all that we've talked about already. So let's see what he says. Let's, uh, let's get real meta and let's talk about <clears throat> a parable about parables in a passage explaining why he tells parables about parables. Here we go. All right. Verse 18. Jesus tells his disciples, Now, listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath, it represents those who hear the message of the kingdom and they don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for, for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil, though, represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30 or 60 or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So put simply, this parable, it's about those who have ears to hear and those who don't. As I said, Jesus' message of God's kingdom was subversive. It was, it was uh, unexpected. It defied people's understanding. What do you mean the last are first? What do you mean the, the poor are rich? What do you mean that sinful, broken people are welcome at your table? For some who heard that message, it never took root at all. It never takes root. It's just too preposterous, too out there, too ridiculous. It's just bird seed on a path. Others, though, they, they do encounter this kingdom message, and some parts of it draw them in. Maybe it's the incredible grace of God. You mean to say that all of my past mistakes and sins can be forgiven completely? Okay, you've got my attention. Or, or maybe it's this idea of this radically loving and diverse body of people who, who love each other where everyone is welcome. Like, yeah, I want a I wanna part of that. And so they do take root. The, the seed takes root. But the moment things get tough for that person, the moment they have to sacrifice something for Jesus, or maybe they get ridiculed for being a part of the movement, well, their roots are shallow because of all the rocks, right? The message of the kingdom, it just shrivels in the heat for them. They drift away. Sometimes the message of, of the kingdom does hit home uh, completely. A person hears it, they surrender to Jesus, they grow, but then the weeds start coming up. Weeds like greed or fear. Maybe they hit a rough patch in their life and instead of turning to God, they turn to their own self-sufficiency to get them through. The weeds grow up and before long, the message of the kingdom is completely shaded out 
by the allure of wealth and power and comfort and safety and success. Only some of the seeds actually land on good, healthy soil where the message of the kingdom can actually take root and produce genuine fruit, fruit which multiplies that message for generations. Those are the people, the ones who bear fruit that actually have ears to hear. So so I'm going to ask you this question right now. Do you? Do you have ears to hear? Do I? I want us to wrestle with this right now. I want us to actually think about this because I I said earlier, these parables are an invitation. Well, I think they're an invitation for some introspection sometimes, and so I want us to do that. What kind of soil is in your heart? What kind of soil is it? And, And let me put it another way. When you hear the message of the kingdom of God, when you hear what Jesus has to say about salvation, about about living in his kingdom, when that seed lands in your heart, what's going to happen? Is it going to produce fruit? Now, I know, I know what a lot of you are probably thinking, right? You you may be online here in the room. You're thinking, okay, uh, yeah, yes, I have ears to hear. Of course, because I'm a Christian, I'm watching a sermon right now. Obviously, I'm receptive to Jesus, right? You're thinking that, but think about that parable. Think about the parable. A lot of those seeds took root, didn't they? A lot of them took root. Some of them, some of them even grew, but only a few of those seeds actually produced fruit. Only a few. So I'll ask it again. Is the message of God's radical upside down kingdom going to produce fruit in your life? Will it multiply? Tell you what, let me give you some some specific questions that come right out of this passage that, that maybe will help you think about this more directly. Okay, so I'm going to give you a chance. Just think about your life. If you want to close your eyes as I ask these questions just to kind of drown out the distractions, do it. Just just pay attention to these questions and and think about your own life right now and your own faith. Question number one, does your understanding of God's kingdom involve the radical transformation of the broken world around you? Or is your faith mostly just about staying out of trouble so you can go to heaven when you die? In other words, has the message of Jesus changed you so much that wherever you go, the world around you starts to look a little bit more like the kingdom of God? Has that happened? Or another question. Is your faith today deeper than it was a month ago or a year ago or a decade ago? How deep are your roots right now in Jesus? Are you growing? Are you growing in Jesus? Or are you kind of just going through the motions right now? It's an important question to consider. Here's another one. And I know this is touchy, okay? It's a touchy question. But I feel like in this cultural moment in the church, I think I have to ask it. So I'm going to ask it. How much right now of your worldview, of your opinions, are shaped primarily by news networks or social media or protest movements or angry conversations that you have with like-minded people? Look, I got to ask, is your faith primarily interwoven with a political ideology right now? 
How much of your faith is genuinely shaped by wrestling with the Holy Spirit and the words of Scripture first? Is the Bible and the Word of God, is that your starting point? Or are you responding to what's going on in the world around you first? Look, I I ask you these questions not to accuse anybody, okay? I'm not pointing fingers. I need to ask these questions of myself just as much as anyone else. No, I'm asking these questions to wake us up. I want us to wake up because, because our job as Christ followers is not to just exist, right? Our job is to, is to bear fruit, to bear fruit in our faith so that we can multiply the message of Jesus to future generations, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our family. We've got to bear fruit and we cannot do that if we don't have ears to hear. We've got to pay attention. Now, that may seem a little dismal because if you're like me, you probably hear all these things and you think, ugh, I've got some work to do, right? Yeah, but let me tell you this. There's some good news in all of this. I've got good news for you. And it, it comes right out of what I've been learning as, a, as an amateur farmer growing some stuff on my, on my farm, on my property, okay? Good news. You ready for this? Soil can be improved, Soil can be improved. If you've got hard-packed soil, you can break it apart with tools. You can even do it with certain kinds of plants that will break apart hard soil. You can actually remove rocks and add organic matter to make soil more conducive to growing seeds. You can uh, add mulch, living mulch, that will actually prevent weeds from coming up and choking out the plants that you want to grow. Soil can be improved. But it does take a little bit of work, doesn't it? It takes a little bit of intentionality. It takes some sweat. It doesn't just happen, but it is possible. So friends, as we look at the parables of Jesus this month, I'm asking us, I'm asking us as a, as a church, Grace Church, will we commit to work the soil of our hearts? Let's be some soul gardeners this month. Let's be the kind of people that Jesus talked about when he said the the kinds of people who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30 or 60 or even 100 times as much as has been planted. Our world needs Jesus right now, desperately. So let's be the kinds of people with ears to hear so we can give him to them.